This episode is powered and sponsored by Fortway Media. Whether it's a special event, your wedding day, or maybe a small business looking to make an advertisement or commercial, Fortway Media is the obvious choice. They turn everyday life into a cinematic experience. When you want to capture those special moments, look no further. Stop what you're doing. Check out fortwaymedia.com. Book an appointment today and don't miss out on another chance to get what you want in front of the big screen. Whether it is expert videography or photography, Fortway Media can match exactly what you're looking for. Fortway Media is known for helping out small businesses and everyone reach their dreams. Sign up today. This episode is brought to you by... Stevie's Seat Directions. That's right. You ever been to a movie theater? Don't know the most optimal route to get to your seat? Well, Stevie's Seat Directions will get you there quickly and without looking like the hunchback of Notre Dame while you do it. That's right. Steve be like, hey, we're over here. And the, you can use your phone and some wonderful arrows like in Mario Kart will guide you straight to your seat. Stop being a hunchback of Notre Dame. Stop blocking people's view and walk to the side of the aisle you're supposed to be on, you f- Here's how you do things in a movie theater or any theater for that uh, matter. If you're in a row and you're closer to the left, you're seated closer to the left. Why don't you enter through the left? Why would you climb through the right? Yeah. Find what side of the like, just know as you get in, what set of stairs am I closer to with this side or this side? And just know that. And he like, you know what I think is crazy? I couldn't see the other side of our row, but I'm pretty sure there was oh, no yeah. there was nobody. There was nobody side. there. If he just walks, <laughs> oh gosh, he's such a. Oh, he like... was. He had to have been three or four seats away from the from the aisle. Why wouldn't he just walk? Oh gosh, what mm, difficult people! At least nobody talked, but. Come on, man. Nobody laughed either. Nobody laughed, and that's why we're talking about this movie. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling, scene 50. Take 303, mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by 4-Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm J.P. Brooks. We're talking everything film and television, and today we are talking about the Book of Clarence. Book of Clarence, but first in cinematic news. Cinematic news! uh 28 days later is getting a sequel i heard 28 years later right i'm not sure what the title is now if it is 28 years later because i think i've seen it and i think that is the title i know they did 28 days 28 weeks, weeks. so it does make sense that it's years technically 28 months should be next but they come oh, to years that's fine yeah, yeah, yeah i i wish they would have done it 28 like how do you not do it on the 28th year of the first one like i i just think you're missing something i know life you can't predict anything but i just feel like you're missing out yeah, I feel like you could plan ahead. Yeah, I like those things. To me, those things matter. But anyway, what else we got? Uh, it's not news for you, but news for me that Leonardo DiCaprio is starring in Paul Thomas Anderson's next movie. So I can I can be happy about that. Is Paul Thomas Anderson related to Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson? No, he's not. He's also not related to Paul W.S. Anderson either. Wait, there's Wes Anderson, there's Paul W.S. Anderson, and then there's... Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay, what has he made? Paul Thomas Anderson is a guy that did There Will Be Blood, Boogie Nights, all those series, Magnolia, Phantom Thread. Uh, His nickname is PTA, so when PTA makes a new movie, you know it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, buddy. Uh, Mandalorian is getting a feature film. But they made a series. Why did they need to make a movie? Because uh, it's Disney. Oh, right. But today we're talking about James Samuels, 
The Book of Clarence, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Omar Sy, R.J. Seiler, Michael Ward, Tiana Taylor, James McAvoy, and Benedict Cumberbatch. The Book of Clarence follows Clarence, a man living in Jerusalem who's also a drug dealer, who is down on his luck and owes a debt to Jebediah. Not only does he owe a debt, he's also in love with Jebediah's daughter, but since he is not that much of a great man or well-respected in his community, he gets an idea to turn his luck around by pretending to be the Messiah after seeing the success of the famous one, Jesus, currently walking around in his town. And that's what this movie is about. And first initial thoughts, it's a weird one. It's an interesting one. I, I, I often can be very black and white or too hard on things. This movie tries. It's very style over substance. Yeah. And we spoke a lot about this on the way home. We because, read a lot of people's thoughts on the way home, too. Yeah, so we have to let that not like cloud our judgment. But I think we were pretty much on the same page when we left the theater. And I think it's, it's worth noting before we start um some of your background oh yeah so uh, i've got a master's theology i got a bachelor's in philosophy spent time in seminary studying to be a priest so biblical stories biblical background historical biblical stuff i've got i've got a good knowledge i think definitely more than the average person that does not make me an expert but i'm a good frame of reference so I'm always interested in movies like this. I know some people who are deep followers. You always have two sides. It's like people who are excited to see something mocking any religion. Then you also have the people who are like anything that talks about religion and is mocking it in any way is evil. I'm just always interested to see what a movie has. So my interest has always peaked. I tried to go into it with an open mind. Yeah, so a lot of the things going on. I have a sense of, I'll talk a little bit about it. I'll try not to go on too long. Not meant to be a sermon. Just to give people an idea of why, like there are definitely things I laughed at or found funny that I think maybe some people who don't know about the Bible or Christianity might not. Yeah, and that's why I brought it up just to briefly kind of like situate ourselves where um, I was actually very excited about this movie and I saw the trailer. I thought it had a lot of promise. I thought it would be really funny. I thought it would be something uh, similar to Life of Brian or, you know, uh, something kind of Mel Brooksy where it's like making fun of biblical history because I've shown you the clip of uh, the, the 15 commandments. And I thought it was going to be something like that. And I was just like very underwhelmed in the theater. And I thought maybe you would get more out of it with your background. And that's why I kept looking over and I was thinking like, oh, maybe like it's not for me. But then I also looked over to the other people in the theater and nobody was laughing. So it was not a funny one. And it's presented as I actually wish there was more of what I watched. It, I because we try not to watch trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch the trailer until we were on the train on the way home. And yeah, I wish it was more accurate to the trailer. And people are saying it's like this great movie and like, oh, the trailer looks hype. I can't wait to watch it. And I'm like, it's nothing like it. Yeah. So like cinematography wise, I think that's one of its standouts. It really, yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. Some of the close-ups in it are really just amazing to look at. The special effects for the most part, I think were really good. It was definitely like very stylistic. And I know this is the same director from uh, Harder They Fall. I have not seen the movie, but it's been on my watch list for a while. And I was told that it's uh, pretty good, but it's also like 
a weird one where it takes a weird turn. So I don't know what that means in general. But having seen this movie, I kind of start seeing how that could be a thing. Because realistically, this movie is just totally all over the place. It's trying to be a comedy. It's trying to be serious. And I told you, um, it felt like like a baby version of Life of Brian is just smushed together with Passion of the Christ. Because at, at one point it stops kind of telling the story of Clarence and starts telling the story of Jesus all over again. And then it also collides with the Jesus story. So it makes it a little confusing of like what it's actually supposed to be about. Um, I said it to you, they're trying to do too much. Another case, and I, another case of a movie swinging for the fences on a lot of things and I think missing hard. A two hour and nine minute comedy. I don't think we need that in, in yeah. Well, in it's not sense. a comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I anybody who classifies as a comedy, I don't think a lot of the jokes hit. I think some of them do. It's funny. If I had to characterize this in three parts, I would say it starts off as a modern interpretation of the historical struggle of like the common man living at the time of Jesus, what that time is like for people, the struggle to survive, what debt is like, what um and throwing in some modern twists and silly things that probably would have never existed. That's like the first part of the movie. And also, you know, what it's like to live under Roman rule in some sense. The second half of the movie is like the comedy part of like a harebrained scheme of trying to capitalize on something else. Fraud, this, that. And then the last part is like you just said, actually, the passion of the Christ. And that's really how I look at these three movies. Uh, the three... And it yeah. is in three parts, right? It is in three. There are three title cards that separate the movie. I just checked Wikipedia. It does classify it as a comedy drama, a biblical <laughs> comedy drama. And it's funny because Google today, when we were talking to other people about it, said it's a adventure western. The movie doesn't know what it is. Other people don't know how to classify it. But a couple of people on Letterboxd think it's a five-star movie, which is just insane. And some people think it's a one-star. Yeah. So it's a definitely a very divisive film. I think it depends on who you are, who, where you're coming from with this movie. I think there's a lot of embedded um, lore for it that means more to other people. And I'm not sure if we're those uh, that audience. I was always a kid who was very interested in the stories of Jesus. And I didn't and my family didn't necessarily go to church every week. I, you know, my own life, I've made my own decisions about that. And what I, I was always surprised by that. Cause when, when I first heard that you wanted to join the seminary, I always just assumed like your, your family was like super religious. And then you, you were like, not that <laughs> yeah. you don't go to church. Yeah. Dad was raised Muslim. Mom was raised Catholic and kind of got to make a choice. Definitely went through the regular, if you grew up in Brooklyn in a Catholic area, you know, you got the normal communion confirmation, went through it. I really made my own choice growing up about how I took my faith and what I did with it. But um, I really didn't relate a lot to it. And it doesn't help when you're, you know, when you go to school and actually study this stuff. And not just like, Jesus loves you and it's good to be a good person, all right? You know, like, seminary can do a lot of schooling. And, you know, we have two full, like, man. I can tell you tons of stories, but we do one one full year of just history surrounding the church. We spend a whole semester just on the early hundreds, Jesus, that time. So knowing a lot of the history, I still didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah, and I'm coming from it like several years out because I also went to Catholic school growing up. And I remember when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, we had to read the whole Bible. 
we had to go through all the stories and my teach uh, it's very different now but my teacher went through it and basically told us about like the history of the church and uh she went through like the different colors of the seasons and all the different uh meanings with the tabernacle and different things like that so like i know like i I shouldn't say like I know the lore, but like I <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna like say you said yeah. lore, I'm like, that's interesting you use that word. But yeah, you know the Catholic perspective. Yeah, like yeah. I, I get I know I at one point I knew a lot of the origins. Obviously I feel like you probably had like a deeper understanding and a deeper oh. knowledge of it, especially at an older age. Um but yeah, coming from my perspective, I was just confused because the movie picked picked and chose uh what it was trying to do here and there and it didn't accomplish those things because i was very confused at like how this ties in with the jesus story if it's running concurrent with it and then it felt like it was trying to replace it and then um it just didn't fit in at all to the story because at one point we have three people that are like called jesus or the messiah and then we have one person that's like referred to looking like them and you can talk more about this yeah Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't even think about there are three people who are Jesus. Actual Jesus, Clarence, who doesn't want to be Messiah, so he's not, but also does something miraculous, and then Benedict, <laughs> Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch, Spoiler. who just happens to look like him. Well, that might be a Trinity aspect, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, maybe, um, but I didn't really get that vibe. I just think it it might be done to do three Jesus. I think that's a pull, yeah. It has to be. Um, that's the only thing I could see. Then it doesn't fit in timeline-wise because they, they were playing up the Judas thing. They are playing up the Last yeah. Supper. And then somehow Jesus is still alive four days later. I mean, technically he is alive three days later, but um, the timeline just doesn't match. Yeah. Another thing I thought, it was like, the only thing I can make of it is there's the actual Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. For the believers. There's the Jesus who stops the stones and does all that stuff. Then you have Clarence who maybe if you're an atheist or an agnostic or someone who doesn't believe Jesus is God, that's maybe who Jesus was really like. If you don't think Jesus is God and Jesus was just a man, then maybe Clarence is more in line with Jesus, just the man. And then there's Benedict Cumberbatch, who I think is the Jesus that some people have in their head of what we want Jesus to look like, how we want Jesus to act. But in reality, is not anywhere close to the other two. Because like if you have to pick... Which of the three men, who is Jesus for you, depending on who you are, are going to answer differently? And I would say, of the three, regardless of where you stand in the faith-wise, hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch character is the worst version of him. It's <laughs> yeah. the least accurate, right? Like, we can all agree on that. Yeah, he just looks the part for what we were taught yeah. of what Jesus looks. And before... We've, we've said Jesus a lot in the last yeah. couple uh, minutes yeah. before this turns into like a whole, you know, Nick and Joe are promoting Jesus and then <laughs> this and that. Um, let's stick definitely towards the movie. So writing wise, story wise, I don't feel it works. Does, does it work for you? Plot is everywhere. Tones are everywhere. Characters are great. Performances are great. But writing, script I don't, I'm not sure if characters are great because I didn't really care about a lot of the characters. And performances. Okay. Performances are good. Uh, yeah, because I didn't care about, like, our main character. And that's, like, sad to say because usually we always say that it's a cop-out to, you know, not include the main character as your favorite character. But here I just – I didn't care about him and I liked Barabbas more. Yeah, Barabbas is the best character. Yeah, Barabbas is hysterical. Uh, I mean – 
I mean, Barabbas is like super cool and like heroic and just awesome and fun. And then like, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch's character is kind of like, you know, crazy, uh, weird, but he's the funniest part of the movie. And that's not saying a lot. And he's in it. I mean, he's you see him a couple times, but it's for like 10 seconds or less. And he's in it for the like, there's a minute of him and it's not good. And the thing is, like, the the thing that makes him funny is just the joke that he looks like our depiction of what Jesus looks like. And that's it. It's very one note. He was meme Jesus, the double finger guy. Yeah. Hey, Jesus, you know, the meme guy. On the train, I actually read an interview that likened this to dogma. Okay. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, that's a really good one for you to watch. Um, Kevin Smith did it um, in the early 90s. And it was about two fallen angels that um, are kind of like running amok in uh, in Earth, and uh, you know God has to kind of bring them back to heaven and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, I don't want to ruin too much of the movie, but it's a really good movie, and it's um, Kevin Smith is also another director who's uh, Catholic, and he had a Catholic upbringing. Went, I'm pretty sure he went to Catholic school. And he brought all of that to the to the writing room when he when he made mm-hmm. Dogma. So I think that's definitely like something you should watch. And I would love to hear your take on that. I've talked about it a couple times with Eddie and with P, and they love it. So I I think it would be interesting for you. Yeah. Um. And I think like I I think this kind of goes to show even just you can always tell like if we're not talking about a movie, it really means we don't like it. But I also think this movie is very difficult to talk about. It's a it's a thing about consistency yeah. because Life of Brian it. It's really hard not to compare this movie to that. It is Life of Brian. Because yeah. it is. It's just an updated version with a different twist to it. But it's basically the same idea. And if you compare the two, Life of Brian is just more consistent. It's not even like the fact that it's funnier. It's just more consistent in tone, in what it wants to be, in the story it's telling, in the speed. If you think about the speed, um, the the best scenes in this movie are the ones when uh, Lakeith Stanfield is trying to pretend to be Jesus and profiting money off of that, and it speeds by so fast in a montage. That was that was your you know what it was supposed to be about, but then um, like forty minutes into the movie, it turns into this whole Passion of the Christ thing, and it kind of loses people. Like the couple in front of us walked out. Yeah. I, for, I don't know for a reason, but like 25 they minutes in. Yeah, they didn't come back. They they left. I think because I would have been like, oh, sorry, honey. I went to see the wrong movie. Let me. <laughs> this is supposed to be the Jay-Z comedy movie about biblical times. Uh, let's go get our tickets back. Um, but I was ready to go at that moment, too. I found. Yeah, I know, you I looked know at me. Dip- you're like, we're, we're dipping. Yeah, because I know you and I have differences. I think the only strong part. The strongest part is definitely the middle, we agree, when he's doing the fraud stuff, mm-hmm. um, pretending to be Jesus or doing a Messiah act. I think the beginning is by far the worst part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy the, it. The only thing that is good about the beginning is probably just the look of it, and that's it. Looks good. I like the sound. I actually like some of the music the in it. The soundtrack is good. But you have to like really... I mean, some of those lines and some of that... like That comedy's got to be good there, and it just isn't. Yeah, so like flat. you gotta know what you are. You can't demolition man this. No demolition man. So outside of that, we I think Lakeith Stanfield stands out in terms of performance. I felt it at the end, mm. but I still was kind of detached from the character. Like I still like I looked at it. And I was like, yeah, he's doing a good job, but I'm like, I'm not like thoroughly impressed. Yeah, he like holds. It feels like 
if they shot this chrono like in the way the movie was shown, mm. it's like he's holding back everything just so he can be who he is. And I feel like if he was more cynical, like obviously it's tough in that time to be so overtly cynical towards everything. But if he's more sarcastic, more cynical, to see that drastic change at the end, I think that really says something about character development. Character development is a big thing, yeah, because um, there really wasn't. A- uh, yeah, he just kind of uh, immediately snaps into a good person and becomes this trusting person, this believing person of God and Jesus. And it just kind of happens out of nowhere. And I will give it that the premise was interesting where he's like not just doubting Jesus. He's like trying to figure out like there was an interesting thing where he goes to Mary and he's trying to figure out what inspires Jesus. And I think that's an interesting take on it of like, you know, what inspires someone to care about others more than yourself and I think that's an interesting story, but the fact that it was just clouded by so many other different things, it gets lost in the sauce. Yeah, and even like the whole, even some of his speeches, like knowledge over belief. Which one is stronger, the man who believes he can win the fight or the man who knows he can win the fight? And that's like, that's such a funny, like ironic pull that depending on how you say things, anything can sound like a parable or a saying of Jesus. Um, and then that conversation with his brother, they bring up the problem of evil. So they touch on lots of good things. We dip in a lot of areas, but we never stay long enough. I really hate to say this, but the best characters are the side characters that we don't get. Like Jebediah, I think, is presented really well. I think he's great. Um, What were some of the worst characters portrayed? I think his buddy, Ezekiel, or Elijah. Elijah. Elijah, yes. I think Elijah's awful. I think Mary Magdalene doesn't get enough screen time for me to care about her. Even though I do. She's in like two scenes. Opening chariot scene. And then when she's getting stoned. She's giving out money oh, to yeah. some of the kids. And then we know, when she's getting stoned. See, they choose who they satire and who they don't, especially if you understand the Bible. So one of the things about Joseph, um, the foster father of Jesus, the human father of Jesus, um, who, if you know the Bible, fun fact about Joseph, St. Joseph he does not say a single word in the Bible. There's no- Joseph is the dutiful worker who does, who doesn't say anything but gets the job done, and he does what's asked of him. And very little we know about Saint Joseph. We just know that he was a, that he followed, um, that he did what God asked him. He's a dutiful worker, and they don't. And when he's first on there, he doesn't talk, for like five minutes, and Mary. And then finally he does talk, and I'm kind of like. It would have been funny. So there's two routes I think you go with it. I think you, I know where you're going, the Kevin Smith route where he doesn't say anything and then at the end he has like one line. Okay. I'm actually thinking two different things. Okay. He, he tries to talk. Mary cuts him off every time, which would have been funny. Or two, he's a blabbermouth. He doesn't stop talking, which I think would have been funny. Um, that's a good one too. Uh, okay. that would. Uh, <laughs> he says one thing at the end. That's yeah. Kevin Smith, because uh, he's a he's the director of his movies. Yeah. So in like Clerks, Jay and Silent Bob, all those movies, he always plays Silent Bob. That's his character name. And he always just nods along. Jay is the motor mouth and he'll like stop Silent Bob from talking at some points. Yeah. And then usually somewhere in the in middle of the movie or end of the movie, he says one thing. And it doesn't have to even be one sentence. It could be like, uh, you know, like a full speech. But he only talks one Once. time. Yeah. Would have been interesting. Ironically... They really give a lot of respect 
like I don't think they're making fun of any religious characters in this movie. No, I didn't feel like it was making fun of religion. It was definitely making fun of just like I guess some of the stories, some of the. the I, I gotta stop saying lore, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if you had to fix this movie, how would we do it? I think for me, um, it's definitely chopping off probably about forty minutes of the runtime. It's definitely way too long. I definitely feel like just tonally they gotta pick one lane and stick with it. Or start one way and then gradually. Yeah, like very, like just be aware of what you're doing. Yeah, and they're not. They just like the editing for this movie. I don't often talk about editing. That's your department, but I think it's a very poorly edited film. The the jumps are very jarring. Yeah. yeah. And we're not talking about jump cuts. We're just talking about like emotional cuts, I guess. Tonal cuts. Yeah, yeah tonal cuts. Yeah. Yeah. And like they try, I think the reason why I don't like when movies do the part one, part two, part three within the movie. Yeah. See, like Tarantino kind of like pioneered this. I got a shout he does out. A great job. Shout out my boy. Yeah, yeah, he does a great job. And the reason he did it was because he felt like movies, his movies were like novels and he wanted to break them up into chapters. And for something like Kill Bill, you really did need them to kind of situate yourself. Um, for other movies, uh, maybe like The Hateful Eight, it was more of a stylistic choice. But now we're just so titles crazy of like breaking things off into like act one, act two, and all these different things. It doesn't really need it. Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say like in Book of Clarence, maybe because it's the Book of Clarence, they're calling it like chapters in the book. But for this, it just felt like you were really dividing into three different movies. Yeah, book one, book two, book three. If you know biblical books, you know, um, the there's uh you know plenty of books that have the same name and they just add a number to it. Um, you know, Kings one, Kings two, things like that. Uh, Samuel 1, Samuel 2. We walked out as soon as the credits hit. We didn't even check if there was an after. Yeah, we, we were the first yeah. to go up and out. Yeah. I mean, besides that one couple. So I guess yeah. at this point, we could you know go to final thoughts and ratings. You want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second movie of 2024. We're, we're starting off rough. It's It's definitely a weird one. I feel like certain people might like it. Certain people might not. It's definitely not for everyone i think i think uh it's so hard not to compare it to other movies that were doing the exact same thing uh so i'm going to and if if i say like history of the world part one is a five if i say life of brian is a five this is definitely not a five and this too i really want to sit down with someone who likes the movie and movie and tell me why they like the movie as usual um, my prediction of a bad movie is if I read comments, I read reviews where they don't mention why it's good. They're cooking with too many ingredients. Sometimes you got to keep the dish a little bit simple here. And the problem with this is that if you've ever been to Cheesecake Factory, have you ever been to Cheesecake Factory, Nick? I have not. So the infamous thing about Cheesecake Factory is their menu is gigantic. They have 150 things on there that you could possibly order. And believe it or not, when you're starting in a restaurant business, they tell you to keep the menu simple, make a few good things, and those people and people will come for those things, and then you expand. And that's what I think Book of Clarence is. You started with a simple, great idea, you expanded it, and you went way too far. There's way too much on the plate, way too many things I have to keep up with. Uh, and then all of a sudden, if you were to ask somebody what kind of restaurant is a cheesecake factory, they're not going to be able to answer that question for you because it's a little bit all over the, all over the place. 
tonally, it's all over the place. It feels like a TGIF, sits like a regular restaurant, but then is way too overpriced and is not family friendly when it comes to budgeting. So what is it? At the end of the day, you don't know. And that's what Book of Clarence is. You don't know what it is. It didn't work for me. If it works for the people, I'm glad they got it, something out of it. I wish I would have got something out of it, but I didn't. Nah, it's a one. Uh, I'm. Wait, it's a one. We're starting with two ones for the year. And yeah, he, he went for it. I'll say I'll give you five out of five on that metaphor, though. Yeah, thank you. It was a good one. Yeah, it's. I I want to give it a two, but I want to give it two for the sake of like there are li- lots of other good things going for. But I'm. It's how I feel. It's how I rated. I yeah. I don't think we've ever had a rating where we've been two numbers apart from each other. Ever. I think very early on it happened like oh, yeah, once couple, or twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. We've um, been very, very close neck and yeah. neck with and things. And I feel like maybe that's boring for some people. I don't know. Like two guys who just agree on everything. We don't know. I don't think we agree on everything. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not not giving it to because it was a two when we were on the train. But I'm giving it, for this ring in particular, it feels dishonest to give it a two. Like I'm giving now it Now I feel two. like I want to change my number. No. Yeah. I can't though. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a two, but I'm just being nice. I want to give it a two because I feel like there's so much style. There's so much good things about it, but it fails and it fails hard, but it took a big swing. Two. I'm just kidding. Two. I don't know, Nick. We're giving it to get to the outro. I don't know what. Gosh, I wish I knew what to say for the outro today, but make sure you're following us on Instagram. Make sure you're following us uh, on TikTok, wherever it is. Take.303 on Instagram. Uh, if you're going to see the book of clarence good for you if you're not i think you're doing the smart thing this week's poll question of the week is do you think this movie deserves a one or two leave it in the comment those are your only options (laughs) options one or two uh what do you think book of clarence is based on uh what you heard and it's it's still out of five it's not out of two let's be clear and uh finally uh this week's question of the week is are there any movies you're looking for to in 2024 it's the start of a new year, start of the interesting movies coming out in January. Very quickly, what is the movie that you're looking for th- this year? I'm not uh, Dune. Deadpool three for me. I, it's hard to look forward to when you're like in a pile of dog crap, like just on your face. I'm just looking for the dog crap to be removed. So I'm looking forward to seeing a good movie. I hope we see something good soon. Yeah, is there a movie you're looking forward to in 2024? Is there a genre that you want to see? I know we're talking to someone today. I really hope they come up with some good comedy films this year. We're definitely lacking. So what are you looking forward to in 2024 for movies? We'll leave it open like that. Thanks so much for watching. We will catch you next time with another movie, which is... Probably ISS. Probably ISS. We'll see you then. Who knows? Book of Claire. Thanks for ruining a podcast. Bye-bye.